Welcome to the RentBits Rental Talk podcast, where we interview thought leaders within the rental and real estate industry, discuss current rental market trends, and get their thoughts on how to grow a successful real estate business. Thanks for tuning in to today's episode. Here's your host, Dan Doherty. Welcome to episode number four of RentBits Rental Talk. I'm your host, Dan Doherty. And today we have the founder of Renters Warehouse, Brenton Hayden. Brenton, uh, thank you so much for joining us. Hey, it's truly my pleasure. And it's been a real long time since we chatted. So it's good to catch up with you. It, it has been. In fact, I was, uh, I was looking at my notes and the first time we spoke was actually back in 2010 when we had our first uh, business meeting. And I remember you, you told me and you have this really audacious goal and vision of where you wanted to take uh, Renters Warehouse. You wanted to be the largest property management company in the world. And I thought to myself, I think, I don't know, you were what, like 23 in 2010? Is that about right? 23, how old would I have been then? That would have been, man, um, yeah, 23. 23. And I remember thinking, you know what? There's something about this young man that he's going to do great things in life and he's going to make Renters Warehouse a very big business. And uh, sure enough, you did. And I wanted you to tell our listeners where Renters Warehouse is today. But do you remember in 2010 at that young age, one, how, how big was Renters Warehouse back then? Um, how many how many properties did you manage? How many states were you in? How much revenue did you have? Did you could say that? And yeah. then and then where you all to where you are today, and I would like to tell the audience really how you got there with that vision. What types of tools did you use? What type of marketing did you did you use to get to where you guys are today? You know, I had to look it up. Um, 2010 is kind of a blur to me, but um, I found a bunch of uh, different press releases in my files, and that helped me uh, re recall uh, just about where we were and what what we were experiencing at that time and. It was, we were just coming off our first three years in business. We were founded in late 2007. So 2010, when you and I were talking, we were, you know, two years old. Um, and, but we were experiencing tremendous growth. Uh, over the last three years, uh, that the first three years, we grew about 2,100%. And uh, we were one of the fastest growing companies in America at the time. But our revenues were at, still very uh, modest at 3. 3 million, according to one of the press releases I found. Um, that was one of our best years. We're actually a top 150 fastest growing companies in America that year as our first, one of our first years kind of being on the map as a company to watch. So it was a really good time. I think we only had about maybe 25 or 30 people. I don't know for sure, but a lot of them were agents. So I think the employee count was, you know, 12 or 15 then. It was a lot of fun. I mean, it was a, mostly my friends and family and different people I recruited along the way. Um, but we, we really timed it well. Um, you know, as you know, in 2007, 2006, the real estate market collapsed. And, and, uh, in, in late 2009, we were, we were basically the best alternative to selling your house in a down market. We were showing people how they could rent their home in a down market. And at the time, you know, renting property was kind of beneath most real estate agents. And so property managers kind of emerged in there as being leasing agents mainly. And that's actually where we started uh, is mostly just leasing agents for a, a first year and a half. 
And then the second year, I think we adopted actually managing properties that were rented for our clients uh, not too long after that. I think I called you because uh, you had, you know, we have rent bits and you were a large uh, syndicator. You you had the ability to allow us to get our rental listings out to a, a number of other websites. That's right. And eventually, as you know, we ended up building and buying some technology similar to that to allow us to reach even more sites, but uh, never never really stopped using you guys. Um, and you're built into one of our our key components at Renters Warehouse. I mean, you were a big part of helping us uh, get ourselves on the map because uh, back then we were mainly leasing agents, but just renting houses was our thing. We were doing it in like 10 days and getting really well known for it. Um, uh, one point to note, though, is, you know, we've gone... We've gotten to be pretty big now, but this was all taking place only in Minnesota at that time. I don't believe I had expanded yet. If so, I think we had just gotten into Phoenix um, through a limited partnership that eventually became our first franchise. So this was just, we were just dominating Minnesota. At the time, I thought we were about 35, 40% of the entire rental market, uh, rental properties in Minnesota. I think it was about 2,000 units we would have had. Wow. Uh, in 2010, under management, you know, these were people that were having us lease their property and then manage it as well. And today, you're much bigger. So eight, let's uh, fast forward eight years. Uh, a lot has happened. You mentioned you guys acquired, I believe it was Rent Theater. Uh, you have even been acquired as well yourself, right? Can you talk a little more about that? Yeah, so um, I'm still one of the largest shareholders in Renters Warehouse, but I have uh, decided to sell control. Uh, so there's a number of shareholders, uh, about 20 of them that teamed up to acquire a controlling stake in Renner's Warehouse. That happened in uh, late 2015. Uh, it was a record-breaking deal, but unfortunately, I can't tell you uh, what what that did for me and the company. But the company has since um, grown substantially. I think we're going to do about 35, 36 million in sales this year. Um, we're in 32 states now. Uh, we have about 20,000 single family homes that we're managing and leasing on a regular basis. Um, I think we got 200, 300 employees. The reason I say I think is because uh, I'm just a member of the board now and I'm not so intimately involved uh, in the business. In fact, uh, long before I sold it, I actually had resigned as uh, CEO, even though I own the company and appointed my president to CEO, who's still there today. His name is Kevin. Um, he's running the company, um, and he was running the company for me when I decided to actually move to Florida back uh, a year before I sold the business. Um, I was semi-retiring, and that's kind of what caused me to um, uh, get solicited to sell the businesses. Uh, I was going to live off of what I had built and kind of let it hover, and I, I think my team and, and the marketplace wanted to take Renner's Warehouse a little further, and that's what they've done. Um, we've made a number of acquisitions. Um, we still have about 20 franchises, but we had about 40, and we bought a lot of them back. Um, we've also bought a number of competitors and um, property managers and markets we wanted to be in. Um, and we've really kind of changed the focus of the business. Back when I was running it out, we were mostly just single-family homes for regular, everyday investors. But we still do that in great fashion. But uh, we also now have a portfolio services division where we're dealing with some of the biggest landlords in America um, and helping them manage their assets. In fact, that's kind of brings me full circle. Renters Warehouse is now what we believe the largest, uh, largest property manager of real estate rental property assets that are single family in America. 
And that's something that we're planning to, you know, capitalize on in the future, perhaps through an IPO. Is if, you know, a lot of people want to invest in real estate trusts, well, why not invest in the largest property manager of single family homes in America? That would be the first time that'd be available. And I think that's, that's where our company's going now is, is we want to, we want to be the remax of property management. We're going to, Renters Warehouse is going to become and already has established ourselves as the largest single family landlord for others, um, for a fee. And soon you, potentially be able to invest alongside us in our business plan. Um, you know, in charge now is Kevin, but we have a private equity group, uh, Northern Pacific group out of Minnesota. We were actually one of their largest and first deals they ever did. Uh, and they're, they're doing a good job of kicking the business in the butt and, and going to the next level. It's been very difficult navigating the changing real estate market, but I think that the direction of moving that we're moving into with portfolio services has been really rewarding. I think we've added, you know, five, 6,000 units from the portfolio services department just this year, um, which is, you know, really great for us to venture into that uh, professional world. In fact, that's leading us into more technology builds. You know, Renner's Worlds was always one of the leaders in technologies at, at, as were you in, in our space. And we were building and working together. Well, we're continuing to do some of that stuff now to uh, better uh, be prepared to handle uh, some of the largest property managers in the world, having 30,000 units to give to you, um, 50,000 units, et cetera. So we're kind of uh, evolving into Renner's Worlds 2.0. I can't take any credit for what's been happening over the last uh, three years because I've been out now. Uh, but that, I mean, I think that kind of portrays where we're going and what uh, where we're at now, don't you think, Dan? Yeah, I think that's actually a great move. If you look at timing, we're as a society, we're going away from the ownership society where in the past it was a great thing to actually own a home. And now we're moving towards rentership society where um, owning a home may not be as great as it was in the past. But it's still a great investment. So I, I see, I mean, it's greenfield for you guys, especially talking about an IPO and, and maybe becoming a REIT or the single family home type stuff. Um, the market is huge. I don't know the numbers off the top of my head, but I think there's something like um, over 15, maybe even 20 million single family home rental uh, properties in the United States. And you guys have a lot of room to penetrate right. the market. Um, totally. Exciting. This could be a many billion dollar um Billion a year business, and we've seen that it's going to take. It has. It requires a lot of actual overhead, um, much like the real estate businesses do. You got to have a lot of physical locations and uh, you know humans, and and so that's been a real challenge for us. Is to as we expand into thirty two states, the you know we we've, we've we've raised tens of millions of dollars, and we put it to work opening up you know new offices and making acquisitions. So it's something we're doing. Um, but it's very challenging to get out there fast enough. But as we as we get into new markets, you know, we moved into Seattle, we moved into uh, St. Louis, we're in Austin and San Antonio, Texas. We got like five offices in Florida now that are basically brand new and just kicking butt. Um, and then we got some offices that uh, like Texas, Austin, Texas. I think we're approaching a thousand units under management. It's only a few years old, um, and that was one of our first corporate um, offices. And you actually may have had to talk to this guy. He was my head of sales uh, for me for five years, Jesse Evans, and he managed all my leasing agents out of Minnesota. And now he's in charge of Texas. And that's kind of where, you know, we've had a lot, we have this, we have this great inner circle at Renner's Warehouse that now has still been there. We had a really great culture where everybody was there to stay. 
And now a lot of these people that were, you know, first, first jobs out of college for them, you know, running, being a sales agent to now they're running the, 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 the president of Texas and, you know, doing very well and, and have a great career for them and, and our partners in our company. Uh, it, that's kind of what we're doing now. And we're, we're actually getting away from the franchising as well. Um, you know, one, one thing I wanted to mention is, uh, you know, when RentBits was around, and not around, when I was around, and we were working with RentBits, you guys inspired us to do a lot of different things. You you guys were one of the first people we signed up with. And because, you, I think it was because, looking back on it, because you, you had also a vision for the business. You were also doing a lot of other things in and around RentBits. And at the same time, Renters Warehouse was doing that too. And I think we kind of hit off on that. Going back to that, now Renters Warehouse is building some software right now that I think is going to be very innovative. Um, we haven't lost that innovative streak, and we're continuing to be, you know, a leader in the space. I think we're going to see you're going to see some stuff from us on the technology space soon, uh, in a, about a year from now, that I think is going to really change the property management business for for the better, and it's going to be, you know, proprietary value at Renters Warehouse. I, I think that's absolutely great. I think that's that's where the future needs to go as well as it relates to technology and uh, innovation within the rental space. Uh, we're starting to see more and more software companies, as you know, entering the space. You have Appfolio and RealPage and so forth. And, and that's made great progress just compared to 10 years ago. But I think there's a huge opportunity to streamline, to automate, to make things more user-friendly. You talked about um, people. People are essential in the in the real estate space, obviously, but okay. we, can, we can make our people even more efficient, more productive by leveraging certain tools and software to automate pay rent, to automate yeah. showings, to do a lot of things that uh, maybe it takes a lot of time. For example, I don't know what your numbers are, but a lot of the property managers we talk to that are way smaller than you guys, uh, they say on average about 50% of the time they get in their car, they drive about 20 minutes to go to a showing or a house and the potential a renter never shows up. So that wastes so much energy, so much time. There's ways to automate that. Yeah. You know, Renters Warehouse has a lot of different technology like that. We have, you know, a showing tool that schedules and coordinates and um, also, you know, confirms appointments. We have things like uh, uh, we've, we were one of the first to pioneer video move-in and move-out inspections. Once we reached scale, we found ourselves in housing court a lot over uh, deposit disputes. And so we we were worked with, uh, I forget what company it was now, but uh, who it is now, but we were doing video inspections and saving them. You know, that's a lot of bandwidth. You know, Renters Warehouse was also uh, pioneering the listing platform. We were allowing our agents to be out in the field on a, on a phone and list a property and have it syndicate out to 230 websites and manage all their leads from an app, uh, you know, that was called Rent Feeder. Uh, today, we're continuing to add you know, that technology into the business. You know, you, you mentioned tools and numbers. You know, they were, you know you, that's one of the things we really did well at Renters Warehouse is you got to know your numbers. You know, we, we wanted to know what numbers were important to people when we started the business. And we found out that we really only had to do about four things in order to be a good property manager. And that was you know, collect the rent, coordinate the maintenance, enforce the lease, and do the accounting. If you could do all of that and, you know, lease the property too, those are separate, but you, you do all of that, 
um, and nothing else, you're better than most. And so that's actually how we ventured into the businesses. Let's just be good at these things. And that's how our contract started too, is a one page agreement. We do these things. If it's not mentioned in there, we don't do it. Okay. That's just, we just, we're here to do these four things and we're going to do them really well or your money back. And we started out with, you know, I think it was like 79 bucks a month. Uh, you could hire us to do that. And we expanded upon that value. Eventually we had the tenant warranty where we actually were the first ones to uh, warranty humans. You know, if you're, if we placed a tenant in your property and they went bad, it was our job to get you a new tenant at uh, no additional cost. These were things that our uh, marketplace wasn't doing. I took a really old business property management and just and put a new twist on it. And that was, it was amazing how, you know, just listening to uh, those things and knowing the numbers, I was able to see that disgruntled environment as a real estate agent prior to being a, a property manager. And I also saw how people looked down upon the rentings, uh, rental space in the real estate industry. And I found it as a great way for me to find stability and income uh, while being a real estate agent. That's actually kind of how I fell into it. I was a struggling real estate agent to sell houses as a young man. And I ended up uh, leasing houses for people. And I found I was really good at it. And I'd put it on one website or two websites. Next thing you know, I'd rent. And they'd ask me, what what, what should I pay you? And I, I told them first month's rent. Next thing you know, Renters Warehouse was built as a leasing agency and we were renting hundreds of properties a month. Gosh. Yeah. So, so you took, there's a couple of things. So there, there's always these themes. So you took your personal frustration, uh, you turned that into innovation to help solve some of the challenge you were challenges you were personally saying. You yeah. then said, Hey, let's focus on key performance indicators, four or five, the KPIs. And then you said, let's quantify everything of significance. And it doesn't have to be, everything it's just the your kpis that you're really focusing on and yep. just like your weight and working out if you if you focus on the numbers it will inevitably improve over time that's that's you know, brilliant as it relates to any entrepreneur looking to get into not only this space but any business to grow a successful business you don't have to have it all figured out you know, uh, there's a, a system I've practiced in all my businesses since somebody taught it to me. It was, it's, a, it's called Traction. And you teach it to yourself by reading the book uh, Gino Wickman wrote. It's called Traction. And they give you, you know, simple tools that I spent a lot of time and energy learning how to actually use well. And they really changed my business. I mean, the first thing we did was do what I just told you. Become a company people wanted to hire and had a great value proposition. Well, once we got that word out there, people were, you know, we were growing so fast and how we're going to continue to make that promise and, and, and continue to propel forward was a challenge. So again, we had to focus on some key numbers, you know, how many units per head uh, are we managing? You know, what does it cost us to manage properties versus what are we charging people? You know, how many houses do we lease last month? Um, you know, how many evictions did we have? What's, you know, what's our rent collection rate? You know, we came up with a few numbers that made sure that we were checking on uh, you know, every day, every week, uh, you know, we had a scorecard of key metrics that we, we knew that it's like testing your pulse or your blood pressure every day, or, you know, if you're diabetic, checking your blood, it's every day we would check on these numbers to find out what's going well or bad in our business. You know, it's little tools that you use, little simple nuances you can bring to an old industry. I've always told people it's so simple. They, they ask me, what did I do so well to, you know, be, you know, be retired so young and it, I, I find it to be easy and I don't mean to be cocky. I just mean to be, it's so easy to be good in business because most everyone else sucks at it. Right. And answer your phone, right? Answer your phone. Do what you say you're going to do. Actually account for your, your bank account, you know, have a vision and a plan for what you're going to do. And 
and and tell me what you stand for and stand against. You know, what do you? Why do you exist? If you can answer that, you are you're ninety percent better than every other business. Now, if you can add even a few more things on it, you're you're going to be a legendary businessman. And it's weird how no, most people can't. They're so uh, scared of the risk. Um, and you know, I was forced into it by need. I didn't, I didn't think I was going to be an entrepreneur. I didn't come from an entrepreneur family. I was broken. I needed to make a way. Uh, and you become desperate when people get comfortable. They fear the uncomfortable and starting a business is really uncomfortable, but it's really easy. Uh, and, uh, it, you, you know, put in the time it, it you can really, you, you know, this, you're an entrepreneur in many things, you know, I don't, I, I, I struggle now being retired. What, what do I do now? You know, I need to do something, but I don't, I don't, I don't have a vision or, and I'm, I'm also affected by my own, uh, advice. I'm, I am scared now to go back to work as an entrepreneur and put the time in. Cause I've been there, done that. I know how hard it is. Uh, I know, uh, how hard it is to, uh, um, go from being comfortable to uncomfortable, you know, being retired now, that's the hardest thing. But the other hard thing is being retired. I'm so bored and tight and anxious. And as a person with my demeanor, you, you got to be doing things that are meaningful and have uh, meaningful work. And uh, even if it's not about money anymore, you have to have something that makes you feel important and, and you're good at. And it's hard to, you know, go around telling everybody how good you are, John Madden football and PlayStation, right? You'd rather, you'd rather be known for uh, how well your business is doing or your nonprofit is working on. So, you know, finding a way to stay busy is actually one of the most challenging things if, once you get what you want, uh, financial freedom, what do you do when you got it? You know, that's, that's something that was never in my plan. I had a plan to get to retire, but then how to handle retirement has been one of my biggest challenges I haven't quite figured out yet. Did you, did you, uh, I think you also told me, uh, not the first meeting, but uh, other meetings that we had, you wanted to retire at 28. Obviously you did that. I think, how old are you now? 31? I'm 33. You're 33 now. You're old. Uh, and now since I quit the business, I was 28. I, I, I did tell you, you got a good memory. I wanted to be retired by 27. And it was on my 27th birthday that uh, I realized I, I had made it. And it took me about eight months to pull the trigger and to leave the business and appoint somebody else in charge. Um, it's, and so, and then since then, and there was like a year and a half or two, uh, after that, that's when I sold the business. I did have one partner and he, he exited with me and, but most everyone else is still there. Um, but no longer do I work there. I've, uh, four board meetings a, a year and, and some project work from here and there, but, uh, it's pretty, pretty, uh, dull life now for me at Renner's Wells. Uh, I remember Renner's Wells was something I always wanted to get a vacation from. It was a very tough business to be the leader in as a, fast growing property manager, but now I kind of miss it a little bit. It's weird to say I miss the grind. Yeah. I mean, did you, I knew, I knew what your vision was from the very, you know, very beginning, but did you visualize and, and feel where you wanted to be five years down the road? Was it something that you just felt that it was going to happen and you felt what it would feel like to be in Florida, relaxing, you know, not doing anything. Did you, did you have that sense of emotion? I saw, I saw it was possible. Somehow, some way I saw it was possible. I always looked up to certain athletes and businessmen, you know, rich, young businessmen and athletes that are retired and 35 and rich. So I knew and it's possible to be young and retired and you didn't need to have, you know, it was mainly for me, I didn't have a visualization. I don't, I don't visualize. I didn't see it. 
but I, I, I thought about it. Um, I had mostly a written down informal plan. It, it was seven pages of a yellow notebook uh, paper. And I wrote it kind of in a fit of uh, depression and inspiration at the same time. I was, I had not started Renner's Warehouse yet. Um, I was living in my car um, and showering at the, the park. And I was so upset with how I went from being, you know, a, a corporate salesman at Kellogg's and doing very well to now being like completely set back and uh, living in my car and embarrassed. And so in a fit of depression, inspiration, I wrote down what I was good at, what I wasn't, what I wanted to do, what I didn't want to do, how much money I needed, how much money I wanted to make a year after taxes, how much money I would need in order to, you know, not work again. Cause it, after all, I was kind of lazy at heart, but I, I was good at work. I just didn't like it. And uh, who does, right? But I, I didn't like my work, but I was always good at what I chose to work at. And um, so for me, I wanted to retire early once I got to a certain number. And I had far succeeded that number, you know, when I, by the time the time come. And it, it was, uh, you, you write these things down, you know, you, you think about them, you kind of put them away, they become cherished, but do you really believe they're going to happen? I was, I'm not going to hoorah and say, yeah, that I absolutely knew it was going to happen. And I was just, you know, I looked at that thing every day and I grinded towards it. I think it was always there in the back of my mind um, because I did think about it, but not all that much. Um, uh, and it was only towards the end that I had to reflect that uh, it sh the fact it took me eight months to get out shows you how much I really wasn't planning for it to actually happen. And I think I was in a bit of denial the last two years as the business was really growing and really becoming a kind of a juicy fruit business for me. I had to, uh, uh, you know, go back in and put a lot of time in and it took me away from, uh, I was no longer just looking at the numbers. I was just trying to keep control of that beast uh, that we had for a company. You know, it's like, uh, it's like having a 200 pound dog that's really playful and on a leash, you know, it's, you gotta have control over this thing and it'll run them up. And, uh, I forgot about where I was going. It was towards the end on a, on a uh, beach vacation that I did a reflection on the numbers and I was like, holy shit, we made it. And that plan damn near came to you know, fruition. Um, and because it had happened, I said, it's time to do it. Let's just see it. Uh, you know, I was kind of scared to do it, but I said, let's just, uh, let's give it a shot. I can always go back to work, you know, and I, and I haven't been back since. So it's uh, kind of surreal, but it's, uh, uh, you know, I'm better at working than I am at figuring out retiring five years now, basically retired. I still suck at this. I get annoyed and, and depressed and uh, I'm always looking for things to do. But then when I get find those things to do, I don't want to do them because I'm so content with being bored. It's the weirdest conundrum, but um, I'm doing other things that keep me busy. And a lot of it right now is renters where else is we're back on the grind again, growing. And that's what I've uh, kind of been alluding to in the conversation earlier is I think Renner's World is about to do some big things in the next two years because it has to. And that's when we're best poised for success is when you kind of have to get it going. we got some big numbers to hit now. Gosh, so much great uh, advice. Um, we don't have much time, but I wanted to leave the listeners um, with one more kind of word of advice from you. If there was one thing that you could tell an aspiring entrepreneur who is maybe scared, uh, but really wants to go out on their own and start a business. Uh, maybe they have a, a nice a salary at a, at a company working, uh, you know, nine to five. What would you recommend to them 
to either get into business or not. But what would be one thing that you would tell any aspiring entrepreneur uh, and just leave it at one? I think it's this may sound cheesy, but I think it's you got to have a vision and the vision needs to be kind of a thoughtful vision. Uh, to elaborate on that, Renner's Warehouse existed to, f we knew what we wanted to be, right? So before you start anything, I think you really know what you want to be. I mean, you can't just say, I want to be in this industry, but you got to know what you want to be. Renner's Warehouse wanted to be a cheap alternative that did four things that nobody else could do very well. And we were also going to warranty humans. Like that was, we had this, I had that vision. I didn't know how, how to be a property manager, but I knew how a good property manager looked or at least I thought, right? So the vision was important and I kept that and that maintained what renters were else, you know, before I even had a mission statement or what, what we were good at, what we weren't. I just knew that this is what I wanted to be. And I wanted to, you know, I had that vision. I think if you have a vision and you think it's pretty good, you better get going on it and do it. Because like I said, it's pretty easy to be good in business. You're not gonna get rich working for somebody else. If you want to retire early or you want to do something, it's never better time to do it with, than when you're young. Um, and it is going to take risks and it's a bit uncomfortable, but there are tools uh, and people to help you deal with the uncomfortableness that it is being an entrepreneur. What you'll find is while it's uncomfortable in the beginning, it gets super comfortable in the end, if you know what I mean. You know, things go great. You get, you get all the comforts in the world. You got a big team, you got a great business. Um, and perhaps uh, financial stability. So uh, if you want to get real comfortable, you kind of got to get uncomfortable first. That's right. It all starts with that vision. That, that's well said, a vision. A vision kind of leads to everything, your your purpose, your vision. Um, where do you want to go? It's so many people kind of travel through time and through their life without a clear roadmap to where they want to be, and they well inevitably land somewhere. Um, but if you get in a car and you don't have your GPS or a map, yeah, you'll end up somewhere, but is that where you really want to be? Exactly. Yeah, good analogy. Good point. Well, thank you so much. Great content, great advice. I appreciate your time, and let's catch up again soon. Oh, anytime. Anytime, Dan. It was a pleasure. Thanks for listening. Go to rentbits.com forward slash podcast for show notes and more.